if you apply the principles of creativity, no matter what it is that you do, you find that you'll be accepting to a new stream of revenue that, that wasn't there before. And I think that's awesome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. In today's episode, we're diving in with Nir Bashan, the author of the upcoming book, The Creator Mindset. I absolutely loved this interview. Anytime I get the chance to kind of geek out with somebody about creativity, uh, you know, workflow, productivity, uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's just, I, I love creativity, what makes effective teams, what helps build creative teams. And here's a guy who's done a lot of research into that very topic and looked at companies, looked at uh, groups that are trying to be creative, trying to encourage that. And I just loved our conversation. Nir Bashan is just a world-renowned creative expert. He's taught in front of thousands of people and individuals around the globe and helping working as a consultant to helping companies become more creative and encourage uh, creativity and better productivity within companies. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Nir Bashan. Hello, Nir. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, it's awesome to be here. I know that you have a book coming out called The The Creator Mindset, and uh, which is super excited. I know I've always just admired people who, who have the tenacity to sit down, write a book. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about your journey for our listeners. I know you, you know, have a lot, have spent a lot of time thinking about what creativity looks like in business, but has, I'm curious, has it always been that way? And, and when did that start? Um, yeah, so for me, it's been, you know, I've started my first business when I was nine years old. I went um, door to door washing cars with my best friend, Richard. And, um, you know, we were in Los Angeles. It was the, not to date myself, but it was the 80s. And, you know, asking people to hand over car keys to a, a couple of, you know, kids uh, was not exactly like a great idea. And what I learned was that, you know, hardly anybody let us wash their car. Actually, we got a few people um, and we got stiffed a few times, which is really, really, really terrible. Man. Yeah. At nine years old. Can That's you imagine? Tough. That's brutal. Stiffed. Um, but uh, but what I learned was, you know, that. You know, we, we even had like a little jingle when people open the door. We'd be like, you know, Richard and Nero, wash your car for sure. And we'd have like a song. It's pretty embarrassing. Um, but um, but what I learned is we got more work actually doing other things than washing cars. So people need their front porch clear, cleared out or the, the trash, you know. Oh, God, we used to clean the trash can. <laughs> oh, oh, that was disgusting. So, you know, how like you have your trash bin and, you know, accumulates over years of just you know throwing at it at the out. very bottom stuff that yeah, doesn't so get we, thrown out the big bins like the big like 55 gallon or whatever they are so we used to clean those out um you know uh we used to kind of rake leaves just all kinds of things that weren't car wash related and what i learned was you know that um creatively thinking uh about the business was more important than thinking about what we set out to do because what we ended up with was an auxiliary channel of revenue that we never set out to, to capture. And, you know, fast forward to, you know, my, my career uh, owning companies and running other people's companies. Uh, I learned that, you know, being creative about how you capture revenue, how you turn revenue into profit um, is, you know, incredibly important in, in 
the, you know, evolution of a business and, you know, straying away from the analytics and what we're sort of used to doing and what we've been taught is incredibly powerful. And that's kind of how I came to, to use creativity in business. No. So it just kind of came from thinking outside kind of the box and, and really thinking through ways of kind of stepping back a little bit. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and giving, uh, giving yourself the opportunity to have that perspective in the first place is amazing. A lot of people set out like you're in the video production business, right? Yep. But let's say, you know, you go out and you do a, uh, there's a client or, or someone and they, you know, they really need some audio. Are you going to say, um, Hey man, I only do video and that's kind of my thing. Are you going to get a little bit creative and say, you know what? Um, if I use this method here and this particular method there and we record it in such a way, I think we can get a really good audio track. And, you know, I have some software that I can use to sweeten it up and that sort of thing. I think that if you apply the principles of creativity, no matter what it is that you do, you find that you'll be accepting to a new stream of revenue that, that wasn't there before. And I think that's awesome. No, that's great. And, and so I'm curious too, when in running businesses within running companies, what issues do you see uh, that people are simply not doing that, that they could, or, or what are the biggest problems with a lack of creativity within kind of your past experience from other people? So my past experience shows me that um, there is a really wide gap in many companies today. Um, there are a few, very, very, very few companies, and we know them, we love them, Tesla and Amazon, so on and so forth, that are creative. Uh, but the vast majority of companies out there are not. And what I see is a continual um, sort of problem with uh, embracing the principles of creativity and letting go a little bit of the principles of the analytics. So to give you an example, I see a lot of companies sort of, you know, investing in physical infrastructure, right? Whether it's office space or different types of equipment and stuff like that. But sometimes when you look at it creatively, do you really need that piece of equipment? Is it something that you can rent? Is it something that you can outsource? There's all kinds of things that come into play uh, when you look at things creatively and it, it, it enables you to have different opportunities. Maybe that piece of equipment is important. Maybe, you know, having an office space is important. I don't know. I don't know your particular business and, and I'm not sure what your listeners are, um, you know, are, are doing exactly, Wesley. But for me, it's really about um, looking at different things in, inside the structure of your business and questioning them and saying, you know what, are we doing this the best way we can do? Can we be a bit more creative in how we implement this, how we deliver this service? You know, I think video production is one of those, you know, I, I went to film school. I, I have a graduate degree in film, so I get it. You know, um, I went to school with a bunch of kids uh, who were going to be directors. They're going to be Hollywood directors. You know, that's it. They're going to be stars. And, you know, who do I see being very successful these days? Um, yeah, a couple of them became, you know, famous directors, and that's wonderful. But, you know, a, a fair amount of them became really good at doing corporate videos, really good at doing podcasts and and other sort of streams, uh, revenue and, and business creation that are essential. People needed that service. There's only so many people that need a film 
Hollywood director. Only but, so many. No, that's right. Yeah. But people need, you know, a, uh, a corporate video. People need a corporate strategy that they want to put out on a video, so on and so forth. And, you know, when you think creatively about these things, it opens up a magnitude of options for you to choose from. No, that's great. And I think, too, you're right, especially right now during this kind of stay-at-home orders and, and everything like that. I think companies have started to question, do I need a big office? And, you know, do we need all this equipment? And in some cases, it's like, well, some companies are just doing great, and they're almost productivity is higher in some way, in some cases, not for everyone, uh, you know, because they don't have quite as many meetings that really didn't get anything done. And you're only really calling someone up when it's absolutely necessary to have a meeting rather than just, hey, to whim, we're all close together. Let's let's meet for the sake of meeting. And so I think that you have a really good point there. Yeah, thanks, buddy. It's really, um, you know, in crisis, there's so much and ample uh, opportunities for people to begin to think differently and to think creatively. Um, and as you've, as you've noted, some companies are doing really well, um, but there's a lot of companies out there and, and even people in their careers that are doing horribly right now. Um, they refuse to accept that there's been some change to the plan and they have yeah. to adapt. Change for us is one of the hardest things to deal with. We, you know, and I talk about it in my book, uh, The Creator Mindset, which is out August uh, 2nd or 4th, August 4th. Um, we're in pre release now. So if any of this sounds interesting, please look it up, The Creator Mindset, um, and get a copy. But change is something that is incredibly hard for people. Um, and we talk about it in the book about how, you know, it's really biologically wired, right? We're wired to like not take risks. We're wired to, you know, keep a routine survive, if it keeps yeah. us alive. We're, yes, exactly. We're literally wired to survive. Um, but today that sort of, you know, um, disposition, Wesley to survive is just not enough. It's just not enough. And we need to look deep within ourselves um, at the creativity that we were all born with, because I believe that everyone's born with, with creativity and we kind of uh, whittle it away as we get older uh, through schools and through other, you know, damaging institutions of, uh, that, that separate us from our real selves. We end up doing is kind of forgetting and, and, deprioritizing the creativity that we're all born with and prioritizing analytics and spreadsheets and logic instead of creatively looking to solve problems. So how do you th think that we, how can we avoid some of that? That Cause I think you're right is that everyone is born very creative. Uh, but eventually I think people will try something, they get burnt, you know, you as a kid, you touch the stove and you realize, ow, that was hot. That hurt. I'm not going to do that again. Um, and there's obviously some spaces where it's good to learn and test boundaries, but I think when that happens as adults or as people start getting older, they try something new and there's a, a bad repercussion. So we learn not to try new things at some point. How, how do we counter that? You know, obviously there, there, you need some good repercussions for, for some bad ideas, but how do we make sure we help people continue to innovate despite the risks? Yeah, it's a great point. So there's really two kinds of failure, right? There's intelligent failure where you try something new and you fail and you got to learn from it to move on. And there's the kind of, you know, uh, 
I guess, you know, a very cause and effect failure where, you know, you burn your hand on the stove because it's hot. Um, when I talk about embracing failure and, you know, being comfortable with uh, change, I don't really talk about, you know, the first type of uh, or the second type of failure. I talk about the first, which is, you know, it's really all about learning from our mistakes and figuring out creatively what it is that we can do better next time. Um Part of that has to do with just letting go, um, Wesley. Like, you know, I have friends that are still in Los Angeles 20 years after film school that are, you know, one phone call away from being a famous director. Yet they're sitting at home doing their thing. And I'm like, are you guys serious right now? Like, you know, when are you going to cut your losses and move on? Yeah. Like, you got to move on at a certain point. And creativity really tells you, you know what? After a certain point, like maybe it's time to kind of pack it in and do something else. Um, but you know, we are sort of, um, we're very comfortable in being comfortable (laughs) and, um, we are sort of, uh, locked into that construct that we've built for ourselves. And it's really time for us to use creativity to break down the walls that are prohibiting us from achieving our creative and, and really, um, business potential. Yeah, and so I'm curious too, where do you find is that balance between uh, developing grit and persevering with something and being able to pivot your strategy and have, be creative when needed? Do you, do you have any thoughts as you were thinking about the book? Like, you know, I just got done with the book, audiobook Grit by Angela Duttweiler, and just kind of really talks about the ability cool. to like. It's a good one. To go, yeah, I just like just finished it yesterday uh, on the ability to kind of push forward. But at the same time, you're pointing out that, yeah, in some cases, like, yeah, you haven't got anywhere in 20 years. Like, like you need to eventually cut your losses. What is that balance? And is it kind of a continuum? Is it a spectrum? Or, or what do you think? So that's a, it's a super good point. So, Wesley, I believe that because creativity is deeply ingrained within us, it acts kind of as a compass to tell you what it is that you should do. Um, you know, we I work with a lot of people when I consult uh, or I'm out doing keynotes or whatnot um, that are, you know, deeply regretting going into work the next day, not because they don't like their jobs, but because they're kind of like nervous about it, right? They're, they're coming up with a decision. They don't know, you know, should I persevere and use grit to get through it? Or should I go a different way? And these things come up all the time. And what I say uh, to, to those folks in those situations and, and, and so on, is really to start to look at, um, what your inner creativity is trying to tell you to do. Um, It comes to some people when they're on, you know, two hour long walks and they can kind of purge that, um, that uh, heavy weight of self doubt. Um, In my book, I, I, I literally outline a way to do it. You could just sit down at a desk and knock it out in 20 minutes or so if you'd like. Um, But there's a technique to kind of get that self doubt off your shoulders so that you can, you can listen to your true self and your true self will tell you your, your creativity trying to get out, which has been stifled ever since you were a child. I mean, it bloomed when you were a child and then kindergarten, first grade, so on and so forth is like kind of squashed it. Right. And so, um, college, uh, PhD yeah. school squashed <laughs> it. Right. So what, what do we have? Uh, what are we left with? Right. We're left with that inner voice that comes out and tells us, you know, what we should really do. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. It's about listening to you. I can't tell you, Wesley, it's time to pack it up, dude. You're not going to be a famous director. I don't know. I can't tell you that. But you can. You can say, you know what? 
um, I've tried this for a long time and, and, and it's not working. And really through the method of, of listening to that creativity come up, it'll tell you, Hey, you know, I am not uh, a movie director. Hey, I need to let go of that product that, you know, I thought would be amazing and do really well. I need to let go of that particular food item that's not selling at my restaurant. I need to let go of that, um, you know, uh, underperforming stock or whatnot. If you're a trader that, that needs to come from you. And what I do is I teach people how to be more in tune with their creativity and let their brain kind of balance and itself out. Analytics are still important, Wesley. Like I'm not saying that they're not important, but what, what is far more important is to learn how to operate our brain in harmony so that both sides can operate together and reach a potential that is uh, uh, unbounded by, you know, constraints and, and really unachievable if you only think analytically. No, I think that's a really good point too, because in a lot of cases, you know, I've been running a mastermind group and it's funny because we will, one of the things we've, we've done in the exercises, we'll all kind of present a, you know, just kind of present ideas like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, what do you guys think? And, and the funny part is that, that all of us probably, if, if we were giving ourselves like a, a different version of ourselves, it, like asking the question, we would instantly know what we should do. But, but because we're all like inside of our heads too much, it's we're like, oh man, this is this, this big problem. And everyone else sees it perfectly clearly. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. But, and, and even too, like if I were to, you know, with my own problems, if I were, if it was a different version of me, I'd be like, oh yeah, what do you do? Why are you doing this, this, and this? Like you need to set your goals and how is what you're doing right now accomplishing what you actually want to do? And I have all these great questions for myself, but it's when, it, when it's myself, it, it's a little, it's always a little tricky. So, so I noticed your book has uh, 92 methods uh, for just kind of unlocking creativity. You know, what are what are some practical tips for people today that they can really take away um, or do right now or, or exercises that they can do right now to kind of help them think creatively um, and, and separate the, their think, their analytic thinking from their creative thinking? Yeah. So, so um, again, 92 tools in the book, like you mentioned, um, we, you know, I think we started by trying to do 10 of them and it's just kind of like snowballed into more and more <laughs> actionable items. And it's, it's a very exciting thing. Um, one thing that people can do today, which I think is really, really important um, is to, from a creative mindset and a, and a creator uh, approach, um, one thing that is very important to learn is that multitasking is complete BS. Um, I've done some research in a book and, and, you know, McGraw-Hill keeps uh, their authors on their, on their toes with, you know, research and they've, they've have been very, very, very good about, you know, meticulously attributing stuff. So what's in the book has been vetted uh, several times. And what I've learned was some, some research we pulled was that, you know, multitasking is just, it's a complete myth and people think, Oh, I can handle like a bunch of things at once. But today you're listening to this podcast, right? You're on your way to work. I don't know. You're on your car. You're kind of, you know, stuck at home because of COVID and all this stuff. And you're, you know, you got 18 uh, uh, window panes open. Uh, You know, you got your email and you got your Excel and you got your, your this and your that. And, you know, um, the one thing that you could do today to make yourself more creative is to stop multitasking and just focus on what's in front of you at once. It's an incredibly powerful technique and it is, you know, absolutely free. Um, Part of, you know, when I go out and do these talks and consult with people and different companies, I get, you know, 
kind of like a, oh man, this is going to be expensive. Uh, I got to buy some gear. I'm going to have to, you know, buy a new machine or we got to, we got to fire a bunch of people, hire a bunch of different people, but it's not that everything in the book, every one of those 92 tools, uh, Wesley, it's free, free of charge, free to use. Um, and this is one of them. Stop multitasking, just focus, just focus on one thing at a time. And in that focus and in that attention that you give it, your brain will naturally start to bubble up all these creative ideas that have been trying to get out since you were a kid. And you kind of squash them down. You say, oh, that's not the stuff of the serious. Oh, that's not the stuff, you know, that I need. And I'm not talking about playing musical instruments here. I'm not talking about the creativity that goes along with, you know, drawing or painting a, a beautiful mural. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about that voice in you when you just focus on one thing at a time, right? You're not multitasking, you're focusing. The voice in you that says, you know what, I've got an idea. What if we send an email to that customer and invite them to an online seminar and so on and so forth? What if we do this? What if we do that? And in that voice that you've been killing for so long that's given you opportunities um, is gold. And it is an incredibly valuable tool that you can use right now today to create not only more revenue and, and, and hopefully more profit for your business or, or your service, but also it'll just make you a happier person. And happiness is so important in, in, in business today. And it's kind of a devalued thing. Like we think it's frivolous, just like creativity, but it's not. Um, you know, focus, uh, not multitasking will be an incredible uh, boost to your business right now. No, that's really interesting too, because I've also been reading a lot about about the topic, about whether it's like digital minimalism and, and trying to back away from, from some of that stuff. I know, I think it's Cal Newport has, has a lot of interesting stuff about the topic. And and it, one of the things I've been most interested in, in, in is the fact that we have all these gadgets and all, all the notifications. You would think that productivity would have gone up, but it, but from what I'm reading, apparently productivity hasn't necessarily gone up in the last 10 years. Like if we would have believed the fact that we have all these communication channels, like oh, I think the promise, you know, looking back 10 years ago was that we were going to be so much more productive as a society. Super. Yeah. Because Uber this, Uber, Uber that. This, because we had everything going in terms of like the communication and apps and workflows. Yeah. But apparently it's not actually working the way the way we thought. Do you any thoughts about yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, um, you know, I talk in the book about, you know, releasing yourself from technology's grip. Um, there's really six ways that I, I like to, to, um, to do that. We talked about multitasking, but another one that I think is incredibly important is scheduling a detox day. Um, and I know like it might seem like naive or whatnot, um, but just having a day to step away from technology and devices and connectivity um, is an amazing tool that, that you can use. Another one of them, which is a little bit hard to do now because of COVID, but still not impossible, is to do things in person. We do a lot of like meetings. I mean, you and I are in meetings all day, right? Yep. We have uh, call, calls with the buyer, uh, contract meetings. We got to, you know, fix something. Uh, we got to write a proposal for a new client. We got to meet with them, got to find out what their needs are. Oh, this client over here is not happy. We have to address that, so on and so forth. And, you know, if we try to do these things in person, the quality of our interaction goes up, you know, tremendously. Um, another tool that I write about in the book is switching gears. That's another thing you can do today. You're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, Nir, I want to be creative. What do I do now? What do I do now? Okay. Switch gears, right? 
So instead of loving multitasking and worshiping at the altar of technology, why don't we start switching gears, right? So focus on one thing at a time, but then switch gears to something else and then keep switching gears as much as you want. You can switch gears every half minute. I've got a friend who's a master at this kind of stuff. He's just really good at focusing on one thing and then switching gears completely and focusing on the other. Um, it takes a little bit of work to get right, but it's something that you can do um, uh, instead of multitasking, which will give you an ability to focus. Another one is, uh, is do something uncomfortable today. We're so set in, into our routine and rhythm that it's good to take uh, an uncomfortable uh, detour sometimes. Like let's say you're overseas and you're traveling in the great country of Israel and you're seeing things, right? And you're, I don't know, maybe making your way towards the uh, Dead Sea or whatnot. I think it's important to make that left and go down that crazy road uh, on the side of the mountain, get stuck. What do you think, Wesley? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, well, I, I should have gone left, not not right down uh, <laughs> the side of the mountain. But <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, yeah, no, that was a, a great experience. And I think, yeah, I, it, it was a great story. And the thing is, I, I'm going to remember it you know, forever, that creativity, that that decision back in, 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 in uh, February to go off-roading and like, oh, I wonder where this road goes. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, Masada, that, that looks good. Um, but I just I did have a, a water and um, uh, water and food with me, and a, and a full tank of gas at the time. So, and it wasn't hot. So, so at least I had had that going for me. I did have a cell phone, uh, so that was good. Yeah, that that you can actually watch that journey on on my Instagram account, uh, a Wesley PD. It's one of my story highlights. Uh, I think just off roading or Israel or something like that, and you can actually see my uh, my, my decision train going from. Should I go down this road to like, oh, I think I can make it. I think I'm good. Oh, no, that's the side of a mountain. I can't go down that road. Oh, I think I'm good. Oh, my gas tank got punctured. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm in trouble. But but I had clarity because I, I was sitting by the side of the Dead Sea for uh, for like three hours. And, and I had a lot of clarity because I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't doing much. Um, and, and it was great. I bet that that would be the most memorable part of your trip. It's not going to be the fancy hotel you stayed in with the view. It's not going to be, you know, that, that wonderful meal you had or, or whatnot. I think, you know, um, I think those are the moments that really, you know, you, you were a bit uncomfortable for a little bit and that's, that'll build memory, uh, uh, for, for life. Um, and then finally my last, but, uh, could, my could last could actually go back of, to that point. Cause, cause that's actually really interesting now that you, you mention it yeah. is, being uncomfortable because because too as i think about it from from personal life it's it's always those times where you're uncomfortable that are always the most memorable and, and make for the best story you know later on totally uh, you, you know my wife and i we, we and kids now we've gone camping but it's it's the the time where we went camping and it was full of mosquitoes and there was poison ivy everywhere <laughs> and i made the, the mistake of cooking with pine cones so our, our chicken tasted absolutely terrible <laughs> Uh, and, 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 uh, we could, we could only pay for, we had to pay for two nights because it was a weekend. And so we spent $52 to camp one night in this terrible location. Um, and then we're like, oh, the next day we decided, oh, we're going to go. There's this amazing lighthouse that we're going to see. And guess what? The lighthouse was closed that weekend of course, for, for whatever reason. And it was like, everything went wrong. Um, but, but I remember that day and that weekend so clearly because we made ourselves uncomfortable. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we weren't trying to be uncomfortable, but, but it worked that way. And so what you're saying is you almost need to intentionally make yourself uncomfortable for the sake of creativity in a certain regard. Believe it or not, I'm a proponent of it. I am a, uh, 
very much in favor of doing that. Okay. How do you, do you have any tips for how do people make themselves uncomfortable for the sake of growth? Um, like, cause, cause that's something people aren't really talking about. I mean, it's all about, yes, being comfortable. Everything's easy. You know, you know the goal is you walk into your house and the lights recognize you and uh, turn on <laughs> and <laughs> you know, everything's supposed to work seamless. A smart house. Smart house. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're saying make yourself uncomfortable for the sake of creativity. No doubt. So in those moments when you went camping, right, and you got, you know, assaulted by by mosquitoes or whatnot, what you've done is creatively you've built a recipe and a process um, in order not to ever be affected by those things. I bet you when you got home, you probably looked up and saw there was a large lake. It was the middle of July. It was the wrong combination. Lakes, you know, uh, uh, mosquitoes. Bad, yeah. You know, July bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a lighthouse that looked really quaint. You know, on the internet, but you know, something that was being refurbished or closed down or whatever. You know, you're like, okay, next time I'm going to do A, B, and C to kind of avoid that. Um, but what what happens is we we are so swift with dismissing our our mistakes, going, ah, eh, you know, I, I screwed up. It was, you know, I wasted money and I didn't have a good time and all of this stuff. But what I'm interested in is the gold, the nuggets, the beautiful, you know, creative moments that come out of that. Uh, and I'm sure you know your kids will remember it. I'm sure your wife will remember it. I'm sure that they'll they'll have kind of a set, you know, uh, process that had developed from it uh, so that, it, you know, to ensure that it maybe doesn't happen again, but maybe it should happen again. And, you know, maybe uh, the, the the situation should be modified. The same thing goes for business, Wesley, the same thing, right? When we when we send out a proposal and we don't get a bid or when we bid and we we overbid and we, we, we uh, come in too high instead of just right. What are the things that we can learn from those things and not just kind of discard them and go, okay, I screwed up. This is the worst thing ever. What can we really learn about being creative? Is it that the bid was too high? Is it that we should offer an a la carte option? And, you know, should we offer an all in? Maybe it's a customer where we, you know, charge them a certain amount a month and we do a certain amount of service for them. I feel like our our love affair with with being comfortable and not taking risks and sort of developing the smart house of the future i think will bore us ultimately and it will drive us far away from our creative selves which is who we i think need to be no I, that's a really interesting point cuz i don't think businesses encourage being uncomfortable at all um, in terms of push yourself to the point where you're uncomfortable. But but I think that's where people learn the most is yes. really going through that process. And I, I think if one thing is that people should challenge themselves, you know, this month, how are you going to be uncomfortable? It's awesome. Yeah. And this uncomfort, uncomfortableness, um, Wesley, it's, it's, is fleeting. I mean, it just lasts a little while, but the creativity that you gain from it will last forever. No, that, that, I love that quote. I love that quote, Nir. Thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, so, buddy. Are, are there any other, you know, tips? Or I'm sure you have 92. Before I stopped you, you were going on somewhere else. But but what else have you seen that pe businesses aren't doing? You know that they can be to, re to really foster creativity. So another thing that that I talk about in the book um, is how businesses aren't championing their internal creative teams, right? So in 1973, a guy named Steve Sasson worked at Kodak, right? We all know Kodak um, as the, uh, yep. as the famous, you know, camera and film company. Um, and 
he actually designed the first uh, digital camera at Kodak. Can you believe that? So Kodak had the technology. They had the patent in 1975 for a 0.1 megapixel digital camera. And it looked kind of like a bomb, right? It was like <laughs> the tape wheel and like batteries and like duct tape, you know, all around the thing. And you plugged it into a, um, a TV. You took a picture and it took like forever, like a minute to process. And then it showed it in black and white on a TV. Um, and, you know, the picture was crappy. It was like 0.1, you know, megapixels, which I, I don't even think you can get your, your cell phone camera to go that low no, no, in quality. No, no, <laughs> So he presented this idea, which was groundbreaking, revolutionary. Uh, you know, it, it could have changed the the course of Kodak's history forever. And he found that you know nobody really embraced the idea. They weren't into it. They were scared. Uh, they were fearful. They were doubtful of of whether the idea would do well. And ultimately, you know, kind of stuck in their ways. They were unable and unwilling to change. And what ended up happening is um, there was a big meeting at the corporate headquarters at Kodak. And then somebody ultimately uh, in leadership uh, told Steve, uh, I'm sorry, there's nobody ever who's going to want to look at pictures on paper. Um, but who's going to want to look at pictures digital. Everybody just wants to look at pictures on paper in an album kind of thing, <laughs> you know, in a physical album. And here we are today, you know, with Kodak out of business and, you know, digital camera technology everywhere. So it's not just enough to foster an environment of innovation, take risk and really embrace creativity. It's also the impetus is on us, uh, you and me and, and everyone else to recognize accomplishments in the creative fields and to push them and to develop them and to encourage them um, and not just kill them because they make us uncomfortable or because they we don't know what they'll do or we're fearful as to whether they will work or not. Uh, no, I think that's a great point. <laughs> a great example with Kodak where they had the future, they had the creativity, they had the, you know, the answer to what was going to work, but they're like, nah, we'd rather we'd rather be comfortable uh, and not do that. And they missed out. And now of course they're, uh, their, their name in, in Wikipedia, um, you know, in, in yeah. a museum, but, uh, you know, they're, they're no longer, no longer a company. Isn't that crazy? And, and complacency is so prevalent in business today. Um, and I get it, you know, Wesley, like you do something, right? It doesn't matter what you do in any business. And it works for a little while or else you wouldn't be in business, right? You're, you, you make videos, you make podcasts, right? That brings in a certain amount of revenue. If it didn't, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> you yep. would do something else. So the temptation is so strong to just rest on a little bit of success, right? Uh, it's a technique I call rust in the book, rest upon success. Um, to rest upon but success. But basically, you know, you want to just rest because, hey, what I'm doing is working. I don't want to touch it, right? It's making some revenue and it must be working. So why why change it? Um, but that that complacency can be incredibly toxic. Uh, uh, and the fact that, you know, you reach into, uh, you reach into, you fall into uh, complacency on just kind of the tiniest shred of success is a creativity killer. And in the book, I talk about a bunch of companies that, you know, not just Kodak, but others, um, famous companies that have grown into, you know, products and services that people loved. And then they just stopped, like literally stopped. 
And, and it just drives me nuts because these could have been amazing brands that have could, could have, you know, done amazing things for society. Some of their altruistic programs at, at these companies were amazing charity and community involvement and really, you know, uh, embracing the principles of their brand and getting it out there into the community and doing free stuff and volunteer work and all this stuff. But they went out of business, so they couldn't do any of that um, because they just stopped innovating, stop being creative. Uh, I think the the uh, complacency conundrum, I think what I refer to it in the book, um, is alive and well, and it's up to us to fight that every day. What in your business, Wesley, are you doing today that you can be doing better? Um, and what are you, you know, the listeners of this podcast doing that you could be doing better or differently or more of or less of to kind of get off of that complacency sort of castle uh, in the sand, you know, before the tide comes in and washes it away, what are you doing that you could be doing differently, better? And how do you implement some of that stuff today? No, that's fantastic. And that lines up with, with exactly with the, the, the podcast name, No Fat Cats, where really the whole idea of you can easily get to a point in success where, you know, you kind of become that fat guy who could just like sit back, you rest on everything, you don't actually have to change because things are going well, so to speak, like there's some revenue coming in, but, but we never want to be that and always want to be continually improving. Never, you want to build on success, but never sit back, enjoy it and, uh, and fail to innovate, fail to be creative. Yep. Things only last a band of time. I talk about that in the book. Like I love that. I love bands of time, right? You could look at businesses and in chunks of time and see, you know, they were successful here and then eventually not successful there. And so your business, my business, every business on earth exists only in a certain portion of time. If we don't continually innovate and continually change and continually listen Another big thing, uh, a lot of companies and, and even people in careers and that are trying to get ahead, they don't listen. <laughs> you have to listen to what the market's telling you, what the consumer's telling you, what your business partner's telling you, so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, that, that, that drive to kind of just uh, be flat, um, it, you know, it lasts in a band of time. And we have to analyze those bands of time and see where we're at and see when we need to change things. Um, there's some very successful companies who are very good at analyzing where they're at and going, okay, cool. This is where we need to go. This is where we need to change. And it's not always the apples or the, you know, Tesla's of the world. It's also, you know, the uh, dry cleaner here on the corner is running an incredible program, right? He's sending out these coupons. You go in and take your shirt or whatnot for dry cleaning. And he says, you know what? I'm going to get, I'm, I'm doing a flat fee per month. Come in as many as you want. Come in as much as you want. You come in every day if you want. Um, but people don't come in every day, Wesley. <laughs> no, no. And it's brilliant. It's like, I, you know, I signed up and I have, um, you know, haven't been there in a while because like we're kind of on lockdown and so, so uh, no I haven't been going to a lot of, <laughs> isn't that brilliant? And, and here he is, you know, doing well. So I don't know. I, I think the 80-20 rule is also really important that 80% yeah, of the time you'll make money and 20% of the time you won't. And it's an okay creative strategy to apply towards your billing models that, you know, 20% of the time you, you won't make money, but that's okay because the 80% should cover the loss of that, of that 20%. No, I love it. Love it. Well, I, I'm excited now for the book. I mean, all, all the case studies. Um, so what's the best way for people to check out the book or, or pre-order it? So I know it's called the, the Creator Mindset. 
Yes, sir. So thank you, Wesley. It's called the Creator Mindset. Thank you for plugging it. It's really, uh, it's really, you know, several years, I think it's seven years of effort uh, going into writing this thing. I'm not an academic. Uh, I did teach for a while, but, you know, I'm, I'm out there in the business world hustling and getting it done. So, um, you know, it took nights and weekends away from projects to get it done. I'm not, uh, you know, a multinational corporation with, you know, a lot of, a lot of money on R and D. This is, you know, there's three of us, small, but mighty team, uh, going out there and, you know, consulting and, and doing speaking engagement. Um, so the book is accumulation is sort of a, um, accumulation of that. And it's a very exciting thing. It's out, um, on August 4th, but you can get it on Amazon now. You can get it on Barnes and Noble now, uh, anywhere you like to buy books, all the independent bookstores being translated into two languages, which is really exciting for a, a first time author. Um, and, and, and what language is it? Uh, I think it's French and Spanish. Okay. The audio book is also coming out on August 4th. I know some, some podcast listeners don't like to read, um, the Kindle versions coming out on August 4th. Um, so, uh, if you are interested at all in anything you've heard today, I would sure appreciate it. Um, you just go to Amazon or, or Barnes and Noble or even your local bookstore, call them up and say, Hey, can you pre-order a copy? You pay for it. You'll get it on that day. Uh, pre-orders are really important for books because they determine bestseller lists. I have no idea how that works. Believe me, it was news to me when I first heard it, but apparently the pre-sale of a book goes into a bestseller list rather than after a book is released and sold. So we are really, really trying to make the wall street journal bestseller list um right now and we've had some very good traction if any of this sounds good please pick up a copy i would love it if you did that um wesley came up with a really good idea about doing you know some freebies and stuff like that i'm all out of freebies because i sent magnets and and uh and bookmarks out uh to people who pre-ordered it and i'm um, i'm out of them uh but wesley came up with a really good idea to do like a maybe a free seminar and i think that's something that i'd love to entertain and maybe down the road um you can email me a receipt yeah, or something can, can promote that yeah i would love love to help with yeah that. I, w- I would love to do something like that where we can do a free class you know uh where you get some some value out of pre-ordering it um I think it's a great idea, Wesley. Thank you so much for for coming up with it. And and that's basically it. Yeah, you go wherever you want to buy the book. You buy the book, you pay for it, and you get it in the mail uh, or digitally on the 4th of August. Wonderful. Amazing. Well, I'll definitely, I'm excited for this book. Um, I know I, I loved all the, the case studies you referenced and um, j- just some of those tips. And I know I've really been big into, um, it, it's like kind of ironic because I am someone who works in the digital world, like creating digital content, but, but very much realizing that for creativity, you need to be able to unplug. And um, in some ways, the, the technology isn't always as much as it's been hyped up to be. Um, there's still a lot of valuable tools, but you at the same time need to be able to detox, need to be able to unplug from it, uh, to, to really achieve a lot of like think through creative creatively, um, w- with less distractions. So excited to check that out. So thanks so much for being on the podcast near. And, hey, and thank you, man. Thank you for sure having me. It, this has been great. Have it on the creator mindset. And if two people want to reach out, what's the best way to, to reach out kind of your so website? I have a website. It's my name.com N I R. B-A-S-H-A-N, near Bashan.com. And the website for the creator mindset is not creative at all. It's just the creator mindset.com. Well, it's clear. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah, yep, it's that's easy. Good. Yep. 
No, sounds good. And then you also tend to be, do more like on LinkedIn or um, do you have any platforms? I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on um, Instagram. So I'd be happy to have you on there if you uh, if you'd like to connect. I'd love to hear from you and uh, see what you think of uh, of my techniques. No, sounds good. I'll, I'll have to show you my story of uh, going through um, the Judean desert on, on Instagram. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to I'm excited that about that one. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Nier. All right, Wesley. Thank you, and I'd love to be back if you think uh, if you think it's a good idea and your uh, your audience liked what they were hearing. No, it was good. All right, thanks so much. And that wraps up another episode with Nir Bashan. I know I just love my conversation of bouncing through ideas, ways of uh, focusing on what's really important, and be having creativity and so i know i loved his point about multitasking how multitasking is a complete myth and really the power of, of focusing on on one thing at a time is really the way to do things and so you can check his book out wherever books are can be found the creator mindset and we are going to be working on some form of a special incentive if you buy the hard copy or buy the book before its release and so i will make sure to launch and let you guys know once that is out in terms of quick wins where ordering the book get early and get a lot of value in return and so that will be coming up here uh, in a little bit stay tuned for that until next week uh, keep being creative find ways of, of being uncomfortable and, and making yourself deliberately uncomfortable uh, for the sake of creativity and i'd love to hear how you do that uh, until next week have a great one